Hey, thanks, Corey. Good evening, everybody. My name is uh, Chad Bolte, and I'm alcoholic. But because of people just like you, great sponsorship, Alcoholics Anonymous as a whole, and a whole plethora of that, other things. I've been sober since November 28th, 1993. Uh, yeah, baby. Uh, MPG's looking pretty good tonight. Pretty good. Everybody's smiling. Not quite as good as the Bolte, though. Hard to beat a Canali. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, it uh, took me about eight months to pay for it, but hey, you know. Um, it's good to be... Yeah, little crickets out there. That's good. Um, for those of you who don't know what crickets are, that's when you you know we have like a really funny story that you want to say and then nobody says anything and it's just silence. You know, crickets, like right there. That's why I said it like that, just like that, so I could exemplify it. Um, it's great to be at a meeting of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. This is for those of you who don't know. This has been my home group since it started, and it's uh, it's been the best meeting that I've been a part of in my sobriety, in my opinion. And it's just an honor to be in front of you and talk and. You know, the 10-minute speakers, you know, Corey is my roommate, and I feel like a lot of good things are happening to the people who are speaking tonight. Hopefully that will hold true for me. Um, but Corey's moving out. We've been roommates for about four years, and um, Corey's been a good roommate of mine, and he's moving on to bigger and better things. I guess there's a house on Main Street, supposedly, that uh, is across from the street from McDonald's, and six of you guys are going to be living there. It should be pretty cool. Um, and, of course, Melanie, I always think, you know, I, we had this going-away party for Melanie, because she's going to London, and I kind of shared, well, she kind of reminds me of my big sister, you know, just, you know, does everything right and straight A's, and so have fun in London, Mel, you know, <laughs> it's like, like, that's a shock, she's doing something cool, um, and uh, Steve, you know, you're still a dedicated thinker, that's good, uh, <laughs> so, I don't know. Um, oh, yeah, so, I, you know, it's been a good week for me. It's, it's actually been a good year. Um, <laughs> I'll get into that later, but, uh, you know, I had a really good weekend. Like I said, we were out at uh, uh, Deb's house, and uh, it's James's mom. I forget her last name, but uh, anyway, we were out there for, for Mel. And I got to share this because uh, my girlfriend Deb is here tonight, and it, it, she's, you know, been hanging out for a little while, and she's been coming to meetings and stuff like that. And Adam, where's Adam? He was, at, uh, he was over there, and... Uh, this is just hilarious. He's talking to Deb, and he's saying things like, you know, so talking about drinking and drugs, and what do you think about Chad being in AA, and, you know, all these cool things, and or nice, polite things. And then he's like, so, Deb, uh, what kind of drugs do you use in high school? And Deb's like, I never used drugs in high school. <laughs> and Adam, you know, just before she can even get that out, he's like, what about crack? <laughs> so, it's like, God, go away, you know? And goofs. Yeah, but uh, I know Deb's on the right track because she thought Adam was cool, so game on. I'm a, I'm a freak, too, so Adam, don't worry about it. I still don't know where you're at. Is he here tonight, or did you leave? Oh, okay, good. Stay here, Adam. It's a good, good place for you. Um, you guys might be thinking, hey, you know, Chad's cocky or whatever. He's, you know, and I am, um, and uh, Alcoholics Anonymous seems to always beat me down, and uh, I think... Truth be told, it's a different talk for me when I talk in front of my home group. It's a little bit different. I personalize it to the people that I know in the audience. And 
I kind of digress a little bit, and forgive me if I do that, but I love you people, and I love talking about you, and you guys are such a big part of my life, so that's why I talk like that. And um, it's really why I think I've stayed in Alcoholics Anonymous is because I've been able to have fun outside of the meetings. I've been able not only to come to, like, say, NPG or Saturday men's morning meeting or Thursday night group in Moorhead or the clubhouse. All those meetings have huge significance in my sobriety, but it's what I do outside of the meetings that has allowed me to stay happy, joyous, and free and sober. And so when I talk like that, that's why I do it. And when I heard that from the podium of Alcoholics Anonymous, it was very attractive to me. So I try with crickets involved um, to explain that part of my story. And um, I'll certainly get more, I'll get back into that as far as MPG goes because, like I say, it's, it's my current sobriety in Northern Plains group. But obviously I'm an alcoholic and obviously I, I need to qualify myself. And, you know, to get into that a little bit, um, I just want to ask one quick test question, and that is what's the best kind of beer? That's right. You bet your ass. It's free beer. Um, all right, MPG, way to get it right. You know, you used to get that one wrong. Bunch of idiots out there. Heineken. You know, you know, go to an NA meeting. I don't know. Get out of here. Um, um, no, did I say that or think that? I don't. Um, I said it. Ugh. I've been doing that lately. Um, but no, you guys know that answer, and that was that was my answer early on. I preferred Miller High Life, the champagne of beers, I'll have you know. <laughs> However, the best beer was free beer, and the best beer was keg beer, you know, three bucks, you know, a little plastic cup, and I was like the commander of the keg. And I knew how to pump, and I knew what, how much foam was supposed to be coming out, and maybe even if I didn't know, I liked to control things. And drinking seemed to allow me to control what was around me, and... Um, and if you're new and you're wondering, well, what's that, what's that? And I think the reason I talk about my consumption of alcohol in Alcoholics Anonymous means I think it's one of the most important things I can say at a podium of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm also a drug addict. I'm not going to get into that because I honor the podium of Alcoholics Anonymous. But I did a lot of them. So if you're, if you're having a problem with identification, please talk to me after the meeting. There's a lot of us here that are drug addicts, and we will talk to you outside of the meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous about that. But for Alcoholics Anonymous to be... Um, growing, we need to talk just about alcohol. And that's my opinion. If you have a problem with that, please talk to your sponsor. But it's a strong opinion of mine. And it's why I'm going to talk about alcoholism and alcohol consumption. And back to that keg beer. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, you know, what, what would happen to me at, at the beginning of my drinking is I could control and enjoy it. The big book talks about it is the great obsession of every alcoholic to control and enjoy his drinking. And I didn't really have that problem early on. I started drinking when I was 14, 15 years old. I was in sports. I was in, I had a structured home. Oh, speech, speaking of the word structure, Corey, this meeting is structured, which means we follow a format, and then we can stay sober. And that's a good thing. <laughs> so, you know, keep listening to, to Charles, because he will structure your life, and you'll stay sober, man. So you're welcome. And... Uh, <laughs> Are you guys down with that or what? I mean, that's, yeah. Anyway, I digress. I'll talk to you after the meeting. I might have pissed you off, but people in A pissed me off plenty too. But um, um, No, it's it, just to digress on that. I mean, the, I think the reason why, you know, meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous continue to grow, the meetings that are our 200 people big, is because there's, there's structure in it and there's, there's a format in it. And there's a, there's a place and a time to share. And um, I guess that's my opinion, but um, anyway.
Um, keg beer. I love keg beer. I like controlling the keg. I like saying, move out of the way. I got the keg, you know, et cetera, et cetera. My, and, I can, and I could control it. That was what I was trying to say. I could control my drinking early on in my drinking. It took away those feelings that I had. I was afraid of the coaches. I was afraid of being the third guard, not the first guard or the second guard. I would never started on the teams. I barely made the teams. I tried hard. My dad wanted me to be on the teams. I wanted to impress people. I wanted to get the straight A's. My sister was eclectic and smart and pretty, and I was, you know, CB student, the joker, you know, always wanting to fit in, but didn't quite know how I was going to do that. Um, alcohol seemed, when I took that keg beer into me, and later it was my favorite was Jack Daniels, my, sen- my senior year. Oh, yeah, with awards on the side, Newt, you bet. Um, it took away those feelings of what I'm just talking about. I didn't like to take off my shorts and run on the court because I had white legs and I didn't tan. And I would never tell anybody that. And I would take that to my grave before I got to Alcoholics Anonymous. But alcohol took away that feeling and it made me feel like, screw the coaches. In fact, I'm like the best ball player there is, you know? And I just, I had confidence. If you can relate to that, I think that you have a symptom of alcoholism, and you should, you should maybe ask yourself some more questions about your reaction to alcohol. That's what was told to me when I got into Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. Now, what happens to Chad? I have a really sharp incline of drinking and a really hard crash. You'll find out really quick about my drinking. I started, like I said, when I was about 14. I was done at 20 years old, and I, I seemed to have just a blast right up until about age 20. And I'll tell you a little bit of what happened, and it's, it's quite simple. I, I graduated from college, and like I said, I was the jackass. I was a joker. I was the guy who was always trying to get attention, whether it was negative or positive. We hear about this all the time at meetings. I was the same way. I went up to UND. I, didn't, I wanted to go up to UND because I wanted to get away from Jamestown, my hometown. And I was always bummed out about Jamestown. I just knew it was like this pit and this really glum, boring spot. I'd just assume grow up in Minneapolis or something exciting like New York or London. Um, <laughs> but I instead was growing up in Jamestown. So I just wanted to get out. I wanted to experience some new things. And um, I'll just tell you what happened up there. I joined a fraternity. I um, got a .6 GPA which for those of you in college or not in college, that's a C in creative music and the Fs all the way through. And they kicked me out. And, you know, I, I, I guess I shook, I kind of scratched my head coming back from Jamestown that day or that semester thinking, well, what the hell? You know, I wanted to succeed. I wanted to do better in college. I was determined to do it. At this time, I was waking up in the morning and I was asking God, well, what's wrong with me? You know, I need to go to class. I need to... Um, I need to go to that biology course. I need to not spend money that my, you know, that I don't have. And I, and I, I think it's important for me to tell you this point of, you know, my relationship with God. I always believed in God. I always, you know, I was confirmed a Lutheran. I, I believe that there was a God out there. When I was drinking, I didn't have it inside of me. However, I just felt, you know, He was somewhere elusive for me. I didn't have a negative connotation towards God or anything else like that. I just really didn't much think about it. And um, that's, that's important to know because my relationship with God is, has changed a lot in Alcoholics Anonymous, and it turns out to be one of the most important things, arguably the most important thing that we get in Alcoholics Anonymous. And 
so I just want to give you a little snapshot of where I felt as far as God. And um, I was starting to fail at life, and I was starting to be disappointed in who Chad was. And um, no longer was the the cocky attitude, the spending the money, the, you know, oh, I'll, do, I'll deal with that later. Was that sufficing? The alcohol would go into my system, and I wouldn't feel as strong. I wouldn't feel as confident. The, the whole buzz, the whole um, wonderfulness of alcohol seemed to be slipping away. And what does a guy like me do when I, when I get in that position? I drink more. And either consciously or unconsciously, I'm drinking more. I'm being more unmanageable. I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to school. So I went to Jamestown, and I got a job, and I went to Jamestown College a couple semesters later, got my confidence back up by taking theory of baseball and intro to psychology, and thought that I was like this, you know, brilliant guy again, went back up to UND, and um, and then my drinking just kept going. My drinking was more important than my friends at this point. I had some pretty good friends up at UND. My, my drinking was more important than Thanksgiving. I was a mama's boy and um, very close to my family, even with my drinking. And I remember the last, you know, that would have been the fall of 1992, I called my parents and I said, hey, listen, I'm not coming home for Thanksgiving. And that was a big thing for me. That was a big thing for me to call my parents and say that I wasn't coming home for a major holiday. It was just not the thing that Chad did. And it was because I felt terrible inside. I felt Calvin talks about the wind blowing through him. And um, I, I certainly felt like something was blowing through me, and it was icky, and it wasn't good. And when I, when I wanted to go out and drink, it wasn't filling those holes anymore. And I think that's what, that's what I bring into Alcoholics Anonymous meetings today. You know, what I bring into Alcoholics Anonymous meetings is I, I remember how it felt towards the end of my drinking. And you might say, well, 11 years, how do you remember that, Chad? And the way I remember that is I, I talk with new people in Alcoholics Anonymous, and that's why I'm, I'm very happy that there are new people in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I like to talk with them because they remind me so much of myself when I was new. And I, I don't ever want to forget that. I don't ever want to forget how I felt because there's been times in my sobriety where I've forgotten how I felt when I was new. And what happens and the position I'm in when I forget about the new person when I'm in Alcoholics Anonymous is something in my life is more important than Alcoholics Anonymous. And I've been there. It's been golf. It's been money. It's been women. Um, and it's been laziness. Um, it's been fear. It's been a lot of things that have gotten in my way of being helpful to new people. And I'm telling you right now, if you're in that position, there's a way out. And hopefully I can communicate that a little bit, my experience, how I did it. I think the rock-solid way out of that is a meeting like the Northern Plains Group, a meeting where there's structure and where there's commitment and where there's camaraderie and joy and where there's sponsorship that tell you things that you don't want to hear long enough to believe that they're true and working the steps and, and going through them earnestly and understanding that you need to find a power greater than yourself and you need to grow in effectiveness and understanding in that to stay here anyway. Um, so that's, that's where my state of mind is as far as near the end of my drinking. And um, it just isn't working. And what do you do? You're 20 years old. You're like, what the hell? You know, I even, I even remember thinking, well, what the hell? Why isn't alcohol working? You know, this is, this is supposed to be a long-term solution. You know, I always looked at alcohol being my medicine. I'm sure you guys did too. 
And there comes, a, there comes the end of the road. It's like, well, this isn't working for me anymore. What am I going to do? Well, for me, I had to hit the end of the road. And, um, and this is where we get to the crazy part of my story. And every, you know, I've had requests now tonight on what to say as, as far as this goes. And I kind of like to steer away from this story. And actually, um, it might freak some people out, like my girlfriend. Um, <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, uh, I, need to, I need to share it. And uh, what ended up happening was I, was I told you about the UND cycle, and I was up at UND, and uh, I had begged the dean to give me one more semester. And by April, I wasn't going to any classes. I hadn't been to class for over a month. I went to a keg party, and I was drinking pretty hard, and um, I went to the bathroom, which keg, drink, keg, keg beer drinkers do often, and I looked in the mirror, and I was kind of afraid of what I had interpreted coming out of the mirror, but I had to contemplate it, surely. And what it was was it was a message from God coming through the mirror that, yes, Chad Bolte, you will be Jesus Christ. <laughs> and... Um, Kind of a cool thought. Um, I had to contemplate it. It was a lot of responsibility. Um, no formal training in theology, but all right. Um, these are the kind of questions going through my mind. And uh, it's kind of a funny story, but this would go on for months. I would think this to my heart and soul, that I was Jesus Christ. And... Um, <laughs> So that's what happened to me. That's how I got into Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, uh, so when I got into AA, I was a little weird, and I would share things that, you know, like uh, like the topic is serenity. And I would say things like, yeah, I know the topic is serenity, but I'm kind of waiting for Doug Goldstein, the manager of Guns N' Roses, to come. And actually, I think he's waiting until I'm 21 because GNR likes to drink. And, you know, anyway, I, I know serenity. I'll pass. And, you know, people would, like, scoot away from me and stuff, you know. It's like, and, uh, you know, it's just, and the reason I say that and the whole Guns N' Roses things, I thought that I was actually going to be a lead guitar or a rhythm guitarist for Guns N' Roses. I didn't know how to play guitar, Steve, but, you know, being Jesus, I had faith, you know. Uh, and uh, never liked her music, but, you know, that old Like a Virgin video um, from Madonna, she comes up and she says, will you marry me? Well, that was my message to me, you know. Well, of course, Madonna, I'll marry you. Um, Jesus Christ, Madonna, world tour, yeah. Poignant. Well, yeah, let's get her done. And uh, the only thing I can say all about all of that is uh, don't tell anybody that you're Jesus because about 48 hours later, you're in the psych ward, you know, in a padded room. And uh, that's essentially what happened to me. And... Um, so that's how I got into Alcoholics Anonymous. It was 1993. I was in Jamestown. And a lot of things changed for me, obviously, when I got into Alcoholics Anonymous. I dried up. I, I, things started to change. But one drastic thing did not change for me, and that is I did not stay sober. And I think the reason I did not stay sober is I did not have structure. I did not have a regular meeting. I did not have a sponsor helping me do the things that I needed to do in Alcoholics Anonymous. One thing that did happen to me later on, and I would drink. I would go, and I would not be able to stay away from that first drink. I would go to parties with, determined not to drink, and I'd find myself, you know, bubbling back a bush light and starting over with my sobriety. Um, so for me, I know that I need structure. I need, to have a, I need to have a sponsor that's helping me go through the steps. And I found that in Dick S. early in my sobriety, and 
he took me through the steps word for word. He even had an old 1935 dictionary because he felt that the definition of words changed over the decades. So we're going to know the exact definition of the words that are in the big book. And uh, he was that kind of guy. And I'm very grateful for Dick because he did take me through and I understood the steps. I wrote a true inventory. I found a power greater than myself. And for the first time in my life, when I laid my head down, I was not alone. God was in me. And um, I had a bunch of crazy thoughts. I thought I was Jesus, and I was embarrassed about that. And obviously, I have, you know, religious views in my in my heart. And um, I felt very, I felt like I betrayed my God because of my thinking. And one of the first spiritual awakenings that I had was when I was on my knees and I was saying, God, please remove this obsession that I'm, you know, I have, I find refuge thinking I'm Jesus. I know that this might sound, I've never shared this from the podium before, but something happened to me that night, and I started to cry, and I started to feel like God was in my life, and he was taking away my selfishness, and he was taking away my, 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 uh, my willingness or my wanting to escape reality because I was always a dreamer, and that's what I have deduced with the whole Jesus thing, is Chad Bolte just wasn't a performer. He wasn't a guy who would take action. I was a dreamer. And I wasn't willing to take the action that I needed to take in life to, well, to stay sober, but a lot of other things, too. And I started to realize that by going through the steps. Shortly thereafter, Dick quit AA. He found religion. And um, about that time, Scott B. moved into town, and he picked me up, and he started to sponsor me. And a lot of things changed for me when I got Scott. He's the one who described to me what NPG could be. And um, he described that by saying, you want to have a fellowship that you, that you crave. You want to have fun. You want to be able to go to football games and going away parties. And what else do we do? We, uh, we do a lot of cool stuff. We shoot pellet guns. Well, I don't do that. Other people do. Um, oh, we drive. We drive go-karts, and um, we go on planes, and... Um, God, I just, we go to meetings. <laughs> Aaron's trying to mouth something to me. I don't understand what he's saying, but uh, I'm just trying to say all the different things that we do. And um, I guess I want to talk a little bit about um, an amend that I made, and um, and then I have about five minutes, and I think maybe I'll have time to give you one current story, but... Um, the men's process, and, you know, we talk about why are we in Alcoholics Anonymous. I think we're in Alcoholics Anonymous to stay sober and to help others to achieve sobriety. Well, in that process, we have to do the steps. And in that process, we have to do things that we don't like. And a lot of that, I think, kind of boils down into the steps, I mean, or in the, into the men's. We find out, well, yeah, it's easy to identify our wrongs, you know, with sponsorship and with, a with being honest and thorough. We can find out, hey, I'm selfish, I'm dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened. Yeah, I can do that. But now when the rubber meets the road is when you tell God, you say, well, can you get rid of that defective character for me? And he says, yeah, Chad, you can get, I can get rid of that for you, but you've got to do this first. And um, a little thing that I did when I was uh, 12 years old is I used to call grandmothers up in Jamestown and look up the gardenette because that's where all the old people lived. So I'd look in the phone book with a buddy of mine, and we'd look up gardenette, and we'd call people, and we'd ring, ring. Hi, Grandma. How are you? Well, who is this? Well, this is your grandson. Well, my grandson. Well, which one? Guess. 
well, you see where I'm going with this. And we'd play games with these old people. And, yeah, in fact, we're coming up, yep, from Sacramento to surprise you. And, yep, Mom and Dad, they just wanted to let me know that that's what I was doing. And, you know, they're not going to call, but we'll be up there next Saturday. Well, you know, that's mean. <laughs> um, it's pretty damn funny when you're 12, but... Um, those are the th- those are the kind of things that I identified in my in my inventory, and I think it's what what I found out that in Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm not a bad person getting good, um, I'm a sick person getting well, and I think there's a big difference. And I was definitely sick in doing that. And I talked to Vince and Vince Scott, um, and he, um, which by the way, Scott Vince says I can use his last name at the podium, which is why I do it. Um, he told me, well, you need to make amends for that. And, well, how am I going to make amends for that, Scott? Well, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go up to the nursing home, and you're going to find somebody who has no communication with, with family members. And um, I was like, okay. And then you're going to commit to going there. And th- by this time, I had moved to Fargo. And he said, every time you come, my parents are still in Jamestown. And every time you go to Jamestown and talk to him, then you're going to make another commitment to go back and do it. And um, I said, okay, I'll do that. And then, of course, me, you know, I'm like a history guy, so I picked some guy that was in World War II. Yeah, so I can talk World War II stories with this guy. And um, Anyway, side note. Um, so I go up to this guy, and I'm, 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 I'm having conversation with him, and he really likes it. He's really receptive to it, and frankly, I'm enjoying it. But it's kind of dull, just kind of uh, mend work, blah, 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 trudge, woe is me. And, well, the next date is uh, is July 4th, and um, July 4th, I'm home, Mia's home, my older sister, and we're going to the park to take pictures, and my mom's kind of, you know, in her mode where, you know, let's do the family thing, and let's go, let's do this, and then let's go have a picture, and and then I throw in there, okay, then I'm going to go see Joe, you know, and she was like, no, you know, I really don't want you to leave, and I said, well, Mom, you know, I've got to go, you know, it's what I'm doing in Alcoholics Anonymous, and I'll be back. And in my mind, I'm like, what, what am I doing? You know, I've got my family put together, and I'm doing what I'm supposed to in Alcoholics Anonymous. Why do I have to do this? You know, he's, he's not even going to really enjoy this. And like I said, it was been kind of passive, you know, and kind of it was fine, but it was not anything earth-shattering. And, uh, and now I'm building up like, you know, he you know, found the fountain of youth or something, and that's not going to happen. But what ended up happening was um, – he wanted. I suggested we go for a walk, and he was in the wheelchair, and we were walking down the street. Oh, here it comes. I can already feel it. And uh, he, uh, he looked back, and he said, you know, Chad, this is the first time I've ever been out of the nursing home without, you know, going to the clinic, and I really appreciate you just taking me out. And it was just, it was just that simple, you know, just a simple thank you from an elderly man who appreciated you know, me taking them out. And I'm, you know, I'm gruff and I'm, you know, stoic and all that kind of stuff. But that stuff just rocks me. You know, I feel I feel a part of, of the Northern Plains group when I do stuff like that. I feel a part of mankind. I feel, I feel worthy that I can have a girlfriend and I can have a job and I can, and I belong here if I'm doing the work. And um, that's the kind of stuff that when I hear it, well, you guys have those stories too. Kenny, you have a great story, a men's story too. I haven't heard it for a while, but we all have those men's stories after we get rolling through them. And um, I think we should share them. I think that we should, and I think we should remember that that's important because 
that's God. You know, I've always wanted to feel God. I've always wanted to feel good. And for me, I felt it through the steps. And I, that's why I gave you that one example of, of me doing the amends. I, um, I don't know really what this talk, how it went. Um, it seemed like it just went like that. I hope I talked about what's important to me um, and what's helped me in sobriety. Um, but recently, um, what's helped me the most in, in my sobriety is just realizing that I need to be here. I need to be in the present. What's really helped me do that is I've been reading pages 84 through the end of the chapter, and I've just been asking myself some questions in there. They're really direct. They tell you exactly what to ask. And just asking God for help and asking God to take the right action. A lot of times I'll stop during the day and I'll just say, Thy will not mine be done. Just close my eyes. And it's amazing what kind of reaction I get out of that. And um, such as, I need to sit down and shut up. So thanks a lot for letting me talk. And Aaron, thanks a lot.